All right, welcome into episode 42 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast alongside Jamie Eisner and still on location, uh, reporting live from the field, Craig Morgan. I'm Luke Lipinski. What did we decide? This is We're not going to do Robert Esch. This is not the Robert Esch episode. This is the Pat Tillman episode. There's a little more um, significance behind that, number 42. With all due respect to Robert Esch. Yes. Nothing against Robert Esch, of course, but this is the first time we've gone off the board and not gone with a hockey player for the episode number. But either way, it's episode 42, however you want to cut it. Uh, Craig is somewhere still. He's where he was last week. This is kind of like a game show. Where in the world is Craig Morgan? Craig, how you doing out there? Still in Oregon. Okay. I'm so thrilled like to, to be there, too. I like to take the suspense out quickly. <laughs> you sound like, you know, last week it sounded like, hey, I'm in Oregon. This week it sounds like you're stuck in Oregon and you can't get no, out. It, it was 75 degrees here yesterday. I went to a vineyard. Life is good. I can't complain. Wow. And me and Jamie are just back here in the heat slaving away to make this podcast what it is. Although it is nice I'm and really cool. I'm really sorry to hear that. Yeah, it is nice I, and cool I, I do appreciate all that. the work you're putting in. Oh, thanks. I'm sure you do. Uh, we have a trade to open the show with. Yeah, we've traded Craig Morgan and future considerations <laughs> for whatever Oregon can give us, Sasquatch. Um, Mika Zabinajad goes from Ottawa to New York in exchange for Derek Broussard. There's a seventh-round pick thrown in there somewhere, too. I forget who's getting the seventh-round pick. I think Ottawa is getting the seventh. They are. So uh, your initial reaction to this, we'll start with Craig because I already know his initial reaction. <laughs> I won't give you that reaction. Oh, okay. Uh, Zabinajad's five and a half years younger, so... Uh, I mean, this deal, they, were, they had basically the same productivity. I, I think I mocked the Rangers at some point last season because Derek Broussard was leading the team in points or scoring. So, yeah, I don't know. It looks good to me from a Rangers standpoint. <laughs> yeah, I believe your exact quote uh, on Derek Broussard was, can you win a playoff series if Derek Broussard is your leading goal scorer? And now that's not an issue for the Rangers because they got rid of him. And it won't yeah, be an issue they, for the They were clearly either. listening. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Mika Zibanejad, I don't know, he's interesting. I mean, he's, he, like you said, he's only 23 years old, coming off a 21-goal season, 20 goals the year before. I mean, he's he's a productive player at the forward position, and when you're only 23, you think maybe he could still get better. Right, and he's a restricted free agent, so they can keep him a, little, a bit longer than that without too much difficulty. It, it makes sense. The Rangers were, were looking to shake up their roster a bit. This makes sense. It gives them more cap flexibility, too. And it makes them a little bit younger. I mean, that's not the youngest team sure. in the league. So I, this is not like a blockbuster deal that we're going to look back and be like, oh, that's why Ottawa won the Stanley Cup in 2017. Uh, although if we do, I want you to isolate that cut, Jamie, so I can I can play it as if I, I knew it was going to happen all along. Can you win the Stanley Cup when Eric Carlson is your leading <laughs> goal scorer? Would be the <laughs> Isolate this one for me. And yet Ottawa still did not make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, well. Either of these teams making the playoffs next year? Uh, I still think the Rangers have plenty to get into the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think they'll do any damage, but I still think they're a playoff team. Agreed. They'll get there. I'm not sure how far they'll go. And Ottawa, no. Um, looking around some of the other, I mean, there's not there's there's not a lot of earth-shattering news in the hockey world uh, this week. But that is interesting to see that trade tossed out there. And then I feel like this is just going to be a storyline all year. P.K. Subban uh, now arrives in Nashville over this past week, uh, makes his presence felt instantly, and, and <laughs> regular season games aren't for another two and a half months. But among other things, he, uh, we see him in a club singing Johnny Cash songs already. This feels like the perfect city for him the more I look at it. I guess my question would be, why Folsom Prison Blues? <laughs> I, I, w- I was thinking he should have sung Ring of Fire. That made a lot more sense to me, but maybe that's just me. Well, you know, it's it's decisions like that that are why Montreal was uh, forced to move him, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, we've heard about <laughs> these characters' this, problems. Though. This is such a great entrance, right? Oh, I absolutely love it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm so pulling for him to just completely succeed even more than any of us could possibly expect. It's just because I want to hear the the Montreal front office justify why they got rid of him every week. I, I, nobody's even played a game. The trade only happened a couple weeks ago, and how many times have we have we already heard Mark Bergevin explain why they don't need PK Subban or why the trade was good for them? I think the most recent one was I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be tied to this trade forever. Like this is the sort of trade you could be tied to forever. Ooh. <laughs> Talk about ensuring that you will be tied to this trade. <laughs> Thank you for tying the rope and rock around your neck. I think the uh, Boston Bruins have a consulting firm that the, the Canadians are using now to how to handle PR on this sort of thing. <laughs> it's uh, That's Jamie's favorite consulting firm, too. Now that they got rid of Peter Chiarelli, they just they moved that firm over to Montreal. Oh, Edmonton's taking good use of it as well. well. Edmonton got Chiarelli. Montreal got the PR firm. Uh, I mean, this is... Is this not really the perfect situation for P.K. Subban? He goes to a team with a, with a ton of other good defensive players. It, it seems like the, the ultimate city to just really embrace his personality, and he already is embracing them. And really not the kind of expectations or pressure that he would face in Montreal either. So, yeah, in that way, it's, it's, it's an, an easy fit for him as well. Uh, a couple contracts. Jamie, do you have anything to say about P.K. Subban? Nothing that I haven't already said already. He's... This is going to be a great fit for him. I really, I really do. I really like this fit. I like that like that team. I like what they're constructing. And that's an interesting team to watch next year. I don't know. They're not, that West is really difficult. The Central is really difficult. But that's a, a team that's really interesting to watch. Um, if you haven't, if you don't hear much from Jamie on, on this week's podcast or you didn't think you heard enough from him last week, it's because he's running the entire show from, like, this table across the studio. This is a very odd setup. Like, when we get Craig back next week, do we all get to sit together again? Yeah, I just want to make sure that people can hear Craig. That's okay. What that's what I'm here to do. Right. Also, people have clearly heard enough of me. So. <laughs> okay. Oh, I, I thought it was because you had oral surgery or something. I didn't know what was going no, on back no. there. No, he's just, he's diligently working. It's it's a new Jamie ever since he left. He's a hard worker. and Well, that's pretty much all that's changed. Um couple contracts, one very big contract. Let's start with Jamie Benn re-upping in Dallas. Eight years, $9.5 million per season. My my first thought uh, was to look and see where this ranks him among the highest-paid players in the NHL. And, Craig, when you were – before we dialed you up, Jamie basically went family feud style and tried to name the uh, the top five highest-paid players in the NHL. Jamie Benn is now tied for fifth. Sidney Crosby is the eighth highest-paid player in the NHL, which I'm not saying is – necessarily wrong i mean it obviously helped the penguins last year but it is just interesting that he's that far down the list now and jamie ben right there top five which is probably uh well deserved yeah and that's why i mean part of those you know the contract when you look at those part of it is when when they sign right yeah prices keep going up um, but you know I, I think i think where he is in terms of a cap it i think it's 9.5 million after next season that sounds about right to me. I mean, Kane and Taves are both at 10.5. Uh, this guy was an MVP candidate. It, it makes sense. Also, Sidney Crosby just cashed a $12 million check this year, so he's not exactly hurting. No, he's. I mean, he's still in the top 10 in, in highest paid. All, but all those three, those last three years of his deal that he's only going to make $3 million, kind of take that uh, AAV down just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. It just drops off a cliff. From nine million to three million. Yeah, those, you know those deals weren't supposed to happen anymore. Those are going to be weird, uh, weird years for Sidney Crosby. He's playing for three million dollars a year, and I don't even know who some some. I thought you were going to quiz me on the other guys that on that list. Do you know him? He should have quizzed you. Okay, he here, I'll, go ahead and give me give me as many of the, of the top five as you can give me. I got all but one. All right. Wait, just the top five? Yeah. 
Not counting Jamie Benn. Benn is tied well, with somebody. I just named two of them with Kane and Taves. I know they're at the top of the list, Yes, right? yes. At least I think they're at the top of the list. Yes, they are. Uh, well, Kopitar just – isn't Kopitar around 10? Uh, Kopitar is 10 million a year. He's number three on the list, yes. That's the one Jamie okay. couldn't get. Alex Ovechkin. Yep, number four. As Craig uh, pulls up the list on his uh, computer. Sidney Crosby is where? Crosby's eighth. Eighth? Subban is seventh. Okay, and this is throwing Jamie Benn into that list now, right? Well, so. Jamie Jamie Benn is tied for fifth with one other player. Ah, uh, okay, wait a minute. Well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is riveting. This is, yeah, riveting <laughs> podcasting. Craig just making sounds into the phone. <laughs> yeah, this, who planned this anyway? You did. <laughs> I I tried to talk uh, you out of it. Geez, I can't even I'm gonna make a guess. I'm gonna say Malkin. Yep, you're right. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. Craig Where's just. Subban, then? Subban's a little below that, right? He's seventh at uh, at nine million a year. Okay. That was basically just an exercise for Craig to prove that he's smarter than Jamie, uh, no. by one Kopitar, <laughs> and uh, he has proven it. I think anybody who's listening to this podcast knows that Craig is smarter than me. I don't think it. I don't think it took that contest. Um, Alex Kalorn signs. Was it seven years, thirty-one million dollars? The piece I'm looking at right now says years for thirty-one million dollars. So I'm gonna. I think it was seven years. Correct. It was. Um, that's interesting to me in terms of just if you look at Tampa Bay, they're gonna run out of money here at some point. And I'm not saying Alex yeah. Kalorn doesn't have value, but they've got more important players to sign. Including that the, is my exact take. I mean, I think I thought that was surprising when you, you talk about Nikita Kucherov, you've got Tyler Johnson, you've got Jonathan Drouin, you've got Pilat. There's going to be a lot of guys that they have to pay. So I'm I'm curious how they're going to make this happen. Of course, there's still the whole Ben Bishop thing to watch. Yeah, it's it, it, Tyler Johnson and Andre Pilat are both RFAs after this upcoming season. Uh, there's obviously there's been the talk of of whether or not they're going to trade Ben Bishop, who's a UFA, after the upcoming season or if they're going to trade Andre Vasilevsky, who they just signed. Uh, but Nikita Kucherov is an RFA right now. And so I, I guess I believe they have right around $8 million in cap space left. He's the main guy they have to sign before next season. So I think they'll be able to sign him. But when you start to get to next year and you've got however much you all have tied up in Kucherov plus $4.45 million in Kalorn, I, does this mean they're not bringing back Tyler Johnson or Andre Pilat, or are they going to be able to figure out a way to fit all these guys in? Well, once yeah. they, they move Ben Bishop. Andrew. Else, and again, and Bishop's going to be, one way or the other, I don't think he's going to be on the team next season. Whether it happens sooner or later, we'll find out. But that clears another, assuming they sign a backup for around a million dollars or somewhere around that range, it'll clear another $5 million that they can use. But like you said, Johnson, Pilat, Drew, and are all RFAs after this coming season. So, those, And with Kucherov, that's, those are four contracts you have to get signed at approximately 13 to $14 million in space. Yeah. And, and those are how you can do that. Those are four guys, to me, you have to find a way to hold on to, right? And yes, but you also have to fill out the rest of your roster as well. Yeah, I... It, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. And again, it wasn't a knock on Alex Kalorn, who's who has been really... Uh, especially two years ago, was excellent for them in the playoffs. But when you start to look deeper, and you, I mean, you're talking Johnson, Pilat, Drew, and Kucherov. You're talking about players that are talents that pretty much any other team would jump on if they had the chance to grab them. And if yep. they if they can't keep all four, this could end up being a mistake. Can they find someone to take Ryan Callahan off their hands? What what team would do that? Do you think? I mean, it can't be for a while. I mean, he has he has no movement. But he has a limited no-trade clause starting 
Man, three seasons from now. Yeah. One, two, three. Good luck yeah, with that. Yeah, good luck. He's not going anywhere. Man. I don't know how they're going to do it. I mean, that, that's the first thing I thought when I saw the Kalorn deal. And I, I've joked that they're the, for different reasons, I've joked that they're the this generation, not this generation, this era's Blackhawks again. They're the mini Blackhawks in the sense they're going to face a lot of the same problems. They have a lot of high-skilled players. Obviously, they need to win a few more, you know, cups. Yeah. Uh, to get to win that, cup you know, the minor detail. But I, I wonder how they're going to fit all of these guys under the cap. And, you know, Eisenman has done a magnificent job of getting Stamkos and getting some Stamkos deal, the Hedman deals, all that uh, secured. But at some point, you only have so much space to work with. Whether you want to sign them, whether you have the money to sign them or not, you only have so much cap space to work with. And I think relying on the cap to make a massive, massive jump in order to sign those guys is a, turns out usually to be a problem for GMs. Yeah, it's shaky. I, I would throw this uh, to Craig real quick, too. I mean, you, you talk about how they're they're kind of mirroring the Blackhawks other than the fact that they haven't won any cups with this this group yet. I mean, they won the one back in 2004. But um, when you start to talk about players like Johnson and Palat and Kucherov and you know maybe even Drewan, Chicago's had to give a lot of players up to keep this uh, this this team this core group that they're they're paying a lot of money to together. But if they ever had to give anybody up the caliber of Tyler Johnson or Nikita Kucherov, I, I really don't think they have, have they? They've kind of given away guys that are obviously big well, pieces to other teams, but they haven't really been proven yet. Yeah, I guess Bufflin. Yeah, Dustin Bufflin would be in that category. But yeah, you're right. I mean, they did identify a core of players that they had to keep around, and they, they've managed to keep those players thus far. And yeah, but the, the guys you're mentioning here for Tampa you would think would be in that core of players that you imagine being with the team for a long time and helping it win Stanley Cups. Now, I should also add with Chicago that, although he got up in age, so it made sense, Patrick Sharp, they identified as one of those core pieces for a while, but obviously with his his advancing age, they felt it was time maybe to move on and get something for him or actually just shed his, his uh, cap hit. Yeah, because I mean, when when you look at, at Tampa, you're right. That that should probably be the core, and yet they already have money locked locked up in Ryan Callahan, like Jamie said, Valtteri Filppula too. And so when you start to look at what their core would be, it would be like Stamkos and Hedman and Johnson, Palat, Kucherov, and, and Drewan, and they only have two of those guys locked up. Whereas Chicago had their core locked up, and then it had to move some pretty valuable pieces. But I don't know. It's just it's it's uh, something to look at. I guess real quick we can transition into this list too, since it makes sense of the. Uh, it was the like breaking thing here in the in the studio. Is that a, a sounder for breaking news or what's going on over there? That's a sounder for just breaking things, <laughs> breaking equipment. Um, the hockey news put out their list of the. I don't think they've ever done this before, have they? The thirty, all thirty teams ranked in order of fan confidence on a variety of different scales. But the only reason I'm bringing it up right now is Tampa Bay was number one on that list, and of the top seven, as we were talking about before we uh, hit the air. Five of them are from non-traditional markets, and a lot of them are having success right now, so it makes sense. But do, do we read anything else into that? Do we read anything into the fact that the bottom five teams are, are all traditional hockey markets that are not having a lot of success right now? Well, let's give the top five and bottom five for our listeners. Okay. Number one is Tampa Bay. Yes. And they rated on a confidence scale of 1 to 10, and they were 8.37 was their cumulative score. And here, real quick, the, the, the categories, roster building, cap management, drafting and developing, trading, free agency, and vision, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. And this cap management score came out before the uh, Colon deal, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They might not be number one anymore. So Tampa Bay sits at the top of the list, followed by Florida, number two, Nashville, number three, Pittsburgh, number four. I guess when you win a cup, it doesn't really matter what everything else is. Pretty and much. five, the Washington Capitals. And then the bottom five, going from worst to just almost worst. Vancouver at the very bottom, 30th. Which makes sense. 2.91 out of 10. Their fans are really thrilled with 
what's going on there. That's that's the perfect storm of an already angry fan base in a front office that if I just had to rank the 30 teams based on how much confidence I had in their front office, Vancouver would be near the bottom. Is right there now. a number less than zero we can use? Uh, Montreal Canadiens <laughs> at 29, the Boston Bruins at 28, Edmonton at 27. Again, is there a number less than zero? Yeah. And then the New York Rangers at 26. I'm not sure New York belongs that low. Yeah. But that's a classic New York reaction, right? It is. Absolutely. That was before the uh, Mika Zibanejad trade, though, so who knows? You can you can only account for how much that would have moved them up in the, the eyes of New Yorkers. That's a team that makes the playoffs every year, and Rangers fans are still unhappy with their, their club. Right. So. They yeah. rank below teams like Columbus and Colorado. Yeah, that's a classic example of just a team that's really good but not quite good enough, but then always people – Reminds me a little bit just to do a cross-sport reference like I love to do. But remember the char- those Chargers teams under Marty Schottenheimer? Jamie secretly wants sure. to do a football podcast. That's what he's trying <laughs> well, to Well, I say. do do a football podcast. It's coming back in August. He secretly wants this that's to a, be a football a podcast. <laughs> but uh, it's like the Schottenheimer Chargers. They were always very good. They made they won their division. And the coach got fired after going 14-2 and because he they struggled in the playoffs and they didn't win. And I feel like that's what's happening with the Rangers. They're just they're so close, but they don't win. And there's a point where... Your fan base becomes apathetic to just making the playoffs. Especially when they're New York's New York fans. Of course. Um, what was that it? That whole analogy just stopped right in the middle I, of... I, all right. I got Schottenheimer Chargers in here. What yeah. else did you want from No, me? I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't a, a, a monumental win talked for you. talked about win totals. I okay. talked about that. I mean, I had that. I think if you were listening. I, I thought you were going to throw in Drew Brees and LaDainian Tomlinson getting run out of town, too. But no, yeah, none not, of that. Not yet. Uh, okay. I was just hoping you weren't counting on anything from me because my snaps are still firing, trying to figure out some connection. Sorry, well, right. I have nothing to add. We know secretly Craig just wants to talk baseball. And whenever you want to jump in with some baseball talk, go ahead, Okay. Craig. Moving right along to the next topic. <laughs> All right, so Craig has chosen KHL expansion over Major League Baseball. Um, what are your thoughts on this? It sounds like there's going to be a team potentially in London. I mean, anytime you talk about China, well, yeah, China too. I, yeah, I, yeah. Go ahead, and start in China. Actually, what are, what are you thinking here? Yeah, let's let's start there, shall okay. we? Yes, because I'm really curious to see how that's going to to, to play out. Obviously, well, Be- Beijing is going to attend the 2022 Olympics. Is that true? The Winter Olympics. That's, that, that's the report that I read in. So they're essentially going to be forced to develop hockey from scratch, right? This is so our chance. Me, what's that? This is our chance to all become professional hockey players. Exactly. I mean, imagine the possibilities of playing in China. That would that would just be bizarre. But you know, in terms of proximity, I guess they could manage it. But but a team in London, of all places, why why London? Yeah, the the stuff I read on it, I've long wondered why hockey isn't bigger in Britain. Um, and, I mean, they have a league over there, but I, I don't know how much you guys have read on, on, on the league over there. Sometimes they you are. heard a lot about it from Paul Bissonnette. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Paul Bissonnette played there during the, uh, the, the most recent lockout. And, and he played on one of the more well-respected and well-run teams over there, if I, if I understand correctly. But there are some other ones that just – it really – it's so completely crazy to me to think that there are you know, major cities like that that don't even really know what hockey is. I mean, this is not London, Canada. This is London, England. And they're, uh, the, the hockey league over there is, is very early in its development. Let's you put know it that it's way. a hockey podcast when you have to make the distinction that it's not London, Ontario, yes. but London, England. That's true. That just that we officially became a hockey podcast. Nowhere else in the world needs to make that distinction. 
42 episodes in, we finally uh, we finally gotten there. Look, I know the other, you know, the major European nations have their own league, so that that's probably part of what's playing into this. But I just, I, I, I guess the choice of London, I succeed there. Is it anything more than a marketing play? And by the way, do we do we really trust the KHL's viability moving forward? No, I, I don't even I don't even know what to expect on that front. You remember the financial issues they've had in the past and may still be having. Yeah, I mean there there are certainly a lot of questions there that uh, I'm probably not the most qualified person in the world to answer. I would hope the people running the KHL are, but I'm not necessarily sure they are either. Uh, either way, that's pretty aggressive expansion to China and London. This <laughs> is that's not just. You want to talk non-traditional markets? Yeah. Let's talk China. Suddenly Vegas doesn't seem so outlandish anymore, does it? Um, speaking of the KHL, Victor Tikhonov is going back. He will uh, reunite with Pavel Datsuk in St. Petersburg. So, you know, I, we, we've all we've interacted with Victor Tikhonov. I think we all know him pretty well. Really nice guy. Uh, very, very skilled, talented hockey player. Just can't seem to, to put up the stats in the NHL. Yeah, I think it's part of it, too. I think it's foot speed has, has hurt him you know as well when you're looking to fill out your bottom six I think teams are looking to get faster it's just he never quite meshed here never quite fit in you know who knows he, he only signed a one-year deal maybe he'll be back in a depth role somewhere else could be a, a situation where he bounces back and forth depending on what he wants to do but yeah a little sorry to see him go just to, more than anything Victor just struck me as such a, a mature and really grounded person. I'm sure growing up in the family he grew up in, his, you know, his grandfather being a legend, had a part in that as well. But just a really solid guy. Uh, just a, a, as, as good a human being, I think, as I've met. I was always really impressed in interviews with him and, and just chatting with him. So definitely wish him well. Yeah, he's somebody you pull for. His first year with the Coyotes is my first year uh, covering that team. And, it, you know, I, I thought that he was a, a pretty mature person even at that very young age and very well grounded. But when he came back this year, he had clearly made it a point to even be more of a, an evolved person off the ice as well. So that, that, was, that was refreshing to see. I, I didn't think he really had to become that much more mature than he was the first time around. But you're right, just a really a fun person to talk to. Obviously grew up around hockey to, uh, to the extreme uh, with, with the, uh, the namesake that he has. But... Um, and he's had success in the KHL. I, I mean, he knows Pavel Datsuk, too. Anytime you're playing on a team with Pavel Datsuk, you can expect to have some success. But uh, you're right. It's, it's, it is kind of sad to see him not be able to, to make it work at, at the NHL level. But, you know, as you said, maybe in, in another year he can try it again. He also tried it with Chicago this year, and it didn't quite work out, though. So right. we'll see. And I, had, I mean, I remember asking him earlier this summer, but there was a report much earlier this summer that he had uh, decided to return to the KHL, and he shot that down quickly, saying, no, my goal was still to – stay in the NHL but his agent told me today that there just were were no firm offers there were some teams that said well let's wait and see what happens for another month with free agents and other moves but Victor just didn't want to wait that long so he just made the decision to go back home yeah that's something we touched on last week with a little bit older free agents but even for guys like Tikhanov that are sitting out there teams are just kind of waiting to see what they have in their own system and if you've got a you've got a money on the table that you have to make a decision and Let's be realistic. Victor Tikhanov, it's not like the NHL teams were banging down his door to hand him $3, 4000000 million a year. Sometimes you got to make that decision, even if you'd rather play in the NHL. Uh, Craig's point's good, too. Like I, I think that if this was 10 years ago, because the thing with, with Tikhanov is, yes, he was a, 
you know, a fairly highly rated prospect when he first got drafted into the league, and certainly he has the, the bloodlines that he has. So he could certainly take the attitude of, no, I need to be on your top line if I'm going to play for you or top two line. Now, he, he took the attitude of, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll play on the fourth line. I'll bounce around. I'll play center, and then I'll play wing on the second line or whatever you need me to do uh, just to hang around in the league. But 10 years ago, I think there was a spot for that. Uh, to Craig's point, now you have to be so fast even to play on the fourth line for the most part that there just aren't a lot of spots uh, out there for him right now. So we'll see. I mean, you can't really you can't really teach yourself to be faster for the most part. I mean, when you get to this level. So I don't know. We'll, we'll, it, it's it's something we'll be uh, be watching for sure. But, um, you know, over in the KHL, that Scott St. Petersburg is routinely one of the better teams. And with him and Datsuk, that's going to be a pretty good uh, – pretty good lineup and I, you know what let's just keep this as an entirely russian hockey podcast shall we no slava voinov in the world cup that we finally have agreed to that everybody is is on the same page now well it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like there was never a chance he was going to play in the tournament i don't know what the russian hockey federation was thinking putting him on their final roster but both gary bettman and bill daly made it pretty clear that he was not eligible to play because he's still suspended in the nhl and they and the pa are running the tournament so there's no chance he's going to play yeah, that was pretty much the end of the story, I would, yeah, I would he think. Sh- he shouldn't play, and I don't exactly no. feel any sympathy for him. No, I, I have the opposite for him, actually. Yeah, no, good riddance. Um, you don't want to say you're wishing bad things of, of people, but, you know, with with what he's done, or at least what we think he's done. Yeah, he, he can just go away. I mean, I might open myself up for libel here. Yeah, he just, we, how about, here, I'll, I'll step in and save you. He's not a good human being. We don't need to see him playing in the World Cup or the NHL. Yeah, he, that? He, he can go no. away. Yeah, just, just go away. that. Um, but you know, Luke, as long as we're talking about, you know, hockey over there, can we talk about my dream Euro division for a moment? <laughs> we can. What is it? <laughs> well, let's, let's, I want to hear from you guys, too. If the NHL were to do this, and, you know, I, I, I wrote about this actually a couple of years ago, but I do have a very detailed plan of how a European division of the NHL could work. I won't bore you with those details. I can see you both rolling your eyes even though I'm not there. But if you had to pick <laughs> cities, if you had to pick cities, which ones would be on your list to form a Euro division? Well, okay, so is this based on, like, cities that we think it would work or just cities we'd want to travel to covering the NHL? Because they're <laughs> not sorry. the same. I'm sorry, Luke. Amsterdam did not make the cut. <laughs> not where I was going to go, but I probably would have gotten there eventually. Um, no, cities that would work. So I, I have sort of a list of six that I think would make the division and then maybe three backups. So. Let's see how many you guys can name. Well, I think Prague will be on there, correct? Yep. And, yeah. and by the way, that's a place you want to go. Yeah, that's that's what I hear from literally everybody that goes there. Uh, how far how far east are we extending this? Like, are we going into like Siberia or? <laughs> yeah, we're we're counting on the demise of the KHL at some point soon. So. Okay. Uh, well, then Moscow has yeah. to be in there. Yep. So there's two. Jamie's pulling up a map of the world. <laughs> <laughs> I should actually. Let's see. <laughs> He's he's taking a break from the football podcast. He's recording on the side to look up his uh, map of the world. Let me see who else. Well, I mean, I guess Stockholm. You have to have somebody from Sweden. Sweden, yeah. Yep. And uh, Helsinki. Helsinki, yeah. Very nice. You have four of my cities right now on the main list. Somewhere in Germany. Let's go Berlin, I guess. Would you go Berlin or would you go Munich? I'm, I'm I, undecided I, there. I might go Munich. Really, Munich you guys probably a bigger hockey market. You guys can make that very clear distinction between Berlin and Munich well, as viability for a hockey market. What's in Berlin's favor is if they have a really good defensive core, we just call them the Berlin Wall. Okay. See, exactly. Or a good goaltender. Yeah, 
So I mean, it writes itself. What are you going to do immediately? Yeah, there might be copyright laws with Nikolai Hobbyhulman, though. I'm not sure. You just have to make sure you, you pronounce it exactly right every time. Uh, let's see. <laughs> where's right. where's, uh, where's Craig's last city? I'm going to go... Um, We've already mentioned it. We've already mentioned it on this podcast. St. Petersburg? Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, well, sure could do too. I can't believe Estonia didn't make the cut, the country. <laughs> yeah. just, I'm sorry. Just no, out. no love for Barcelona in the hockey market. That's <laughs> maybe future expansion. Well, I was thinking some backups, you know, like Zurich or Copenhagen or even Bratislava. Hey, Slovakia. Kyle Chipchura is playing in Bratislava now, isn't he? There you go. There you see? go. Clearly a hockey market there. Tie it all together here on this show. All right. Now that Craig has expanded to Europe, I kind of like that. But, I, I, I mean, how would – you're going to have to give us a little insight on how that would work because that's quite a bit of travel for the team in, say, Anaheim. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, see, I think when the European teams would come here, they'd have to hit all those Western cities. Now, first of all, they'd be in the Eastern Conference, so you'd, you'd probably only play them once a year or you'd figure that out for the year. And then they just, oh, geez, now that'd be a long road trip, but you could knock it all out. And, and the same goes for the West Coast teams that are flying to Europe. I just I feel like we would see Dallas or Colorado or somebody have a game in Bratislava, but then have like a quick game against the Canucks in Vancouver before they had to fly back and back play the back. team from Munich yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be up to the schedule. Maybe but, two big mistakes in the past. But. Do you know one one team that won't have to worry about that? No, Quebec City. <laughs> oh wow! wow. <laughs> Too soon. Below the knee. Or right. not soon enough. Right now, that Jamie is starting to take uh, shots at individual cities, even this this week outside of the uh, the NHL markets. Um, mm-hmm. The last thing I have, and you guys can jump in if you have anything else, but I wrote something for today's slapshot, and it just got me thinking that this could be a good uh, discussion point for the the three of us in terms of just the three of us in terms of Jamie never singing again <laughs> on the air uh, here or anywhere else. Um, Potential Calder candidates for next year. It's never too early to start complaining about this. And obviously nobody – well, I shouldn't say nobody on this list has played a game yet, but Austin Matthews is going to be your, your clear favorite going in. Uh, but, mm-hmm. I mean, Connor McDavid was the clear favorite last year going in, and he didn't win. There's a few names that jumped out to me. I made a list of ten, and I had a few other ones just that are – you know could easily jump into the list. There was another five or six there, but – the one name that jumps out to me that I don't know that a lot of people have thought of is uh, Matt Murray from Pittsburgh, who's technically yeah, still going to be a rookie. Technically a rookie, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's weird. I mean, you're talking about because the NHL's rules on this are what is it? You can't if you've played over 25 NHL games, you are not a rookie. If you've played six or more games in in multiple seasons, you're not a rookie. But the playoffs don't count. But if you've played, you know multiple pro seasons in the KHL or something and you're, you know, 27 years old, you can, you can still be a rookie of the year. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. It's I'm, getting, I'm getting a little carried away because I, I thought uh, Artemi Panarin should win rookie of the year, so I don't want to slight him in any way. Okay, but, but that's a good example. I mean, Panarin wins last year, and he ended up winning fairly comfortably, but there was a lot of, I don't want to say backlash, but there was people that, that didn't necessarily um, feel like he should win during the regular season before all the votes went in. How crazy is it going to be next year if Austin Matthews is having a good year, but Matt Murray's getting votes, A, as a goalie, and B, as a goalie that was a, nearly just won the Conn Smythe Trophy a month ago? I mean, that's, that's going to be really strange. Well, being a goalie is going to be the interesting part because it gives you a different perspective to look at. If it's another skater, you can just look at 1v1 and try to break down 
okay, well, he has this many points, he has this many points, this line mates. But that could actually work in Murray's favor, and especially now people are paying attention. I mean, he's, they're not, he's not going to get the Austin Matthews level of coverage for rookie, but people are paying attention. Well, yeah, but I, I think that most people don't realize he's still technically a rookie. I mean, that <laughs> he, I, I was pretty sure he was, but even I had to go back and double-check a few times to make sure that they weren't going to count. The fact that he just played 22 playoff games this year, and it's, I don't know, it's, it, he's, he's the main name on the list that jumps out to me. I mean, some of the other ones I'd throw out there, Patrick Laine for sure. Uh, the fact that Toronto has three really legitimate Rookie of the Year candidates with Matthews, Mitch Marner, uh, and Willie Nylander, that's, that's a, uh, I think I'm the first person to ever call him Willie Nylander, but I hope it sticks. That's, um, is Toronto going to be fun to watch next year? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we set the phone line up for that resounding opinion. I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah, they have some young talent, so that'll, that'll be fun to watch if they don't make a lot of mistakes and cost the team. I guess we'll, we'll wait to see how they adapt to the NHL level. Who else is on your list? Well, okay, since you asked. Um, I did ask. Matt Murray, Patrick yeah, Laine. Don't encourage him. The, uh, the, the two. In case anyone wants to know uh, before we started the podcast, Luke asked me to give him that cue. So go ahead, Luke. That's a lie. I would nev- First of all, I'd never ask Craig. <laughs> I would pay somebody to just walk in from outside that doesn't know what we're talking about and ask me. Um, Dylan Strom, obviously from Arizona, I have on the list. Uh, Ivan Provorov from Philadelphia. Uh, Miko Rantanen from Colorado, who might not even play in the NHL next year, but – that's that's uh, somebody to keep an eye on once he does get in there. Zach Wierenski, Columbus, if he gets in there. I think it would be tougher for Wierenski to step in and win it as opposed to, like, Provorov if you're talking defensemen. But um, <laughs> the one guy I don't know what to do with, and so I, I put him on the list, is uh, Jimmy Vesey, who still isn't signed. But he can <laughs> he can pick and choose where he goes. And so if he, you know, depending where you believe he's going to end up, if he goes to Toronto too, I guess that's four Rookie of the Year candidates and a lot of people complaining about potential tampering if he ends up with the Maple Leafs. But, um, you know, if, if he ends up in Boston or, I don't know, it, there's, there's, there's some potentially really good landing spots for him. It just depends what he's looking for. As I keep throwing things randomly. Yeah, Jamie's really how, angry. How, how about – I'm going to throw out a couple names here. Okay. This one in particular, his star has fallen a bit. But what do you think about Anthony Mantha? Well, he was the last one on the list. And uh, the the reason I have him on the list, and you can jump in if you disagree, is simply that Detroit needs him to produce. They're, like, they need him to make the team and score goals because that's something else I'm writing for today's Slapshot today. Detroit doesn't have anybody to, to put the puck in the net. And so they can lean on Dylan Larkin as much as they feel like they can lean on a guy that's still not 20 years old. But uh, Anthony Mantha is, is a guy who was drafted because he's – was a goal scorer and they need somebody to score goals so just based on pure opportunity i think he's on the list isn't he I, I think yeah he i had him on my list for the exact same reason what about sebastian Ajo? that's a good, another one good yeah that's another good one uh, i want won- he had a crazy world junior championship i think he, he, he averaged like two points a game and then he was also on finland's world championship team 2000 this this year um, another player to watch and kind of overlooked because that team was so loaded with Rantanen and Lyon A and Pugliarvi. And mean, some of it's opportunity now, too. I mean, yeah. I look at a couple mm-hmm. other guys that I don't know if he's going to end up making the roster, but the name to watch, you know, Ivan Barbashev in St. Louis. Yep. I think I have no idea if he's going to make the roster, but I have no idea what St. Louis's roster is going to look like. Like, they haven't really replaced all those holes that they have now, and guys have just left, so I wonder where he fits in. Matthew Barr's all over the Islanders. There's a spot down the middle available for him if he takes that job. Mm-hmm. Get yeah. a monster season in the WHL, yeah. right? 
Absolutely. Kevin Fiala got a taste of the, the pros last year. Yeah. Uh, there's one more on here, I think, I will be. Well, Pavel Zaka is interesting in New Jersey, but I don't know that he's going to be a, just a, a major point producer when he steps in. And the other maybe Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah, okay, so that they, was— They like him, clearly. You clearly. include Matthew Kachuk on this list? Well, that's that's where I was going to go next. I, I tried to make most of my actual—I my, had a list of ten outside of Matthews plus five others to watch, and my five others to watch were all guys that just got drafted. Because of the guys that got drafted this year, who do you see stepping in and—, and definitely making an impact other than Matthews and Line because Kachuk is somebody I, I was looking real closely at, uh, as was even uh, Pugliarvi, certainly in Edmonton, and maybe even Alex Nylander with Buffalo. And stunned Jamie, silence. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to run this thing over here. I missed everything you said. <laughs> you know what? I just wanted you no, to I'm admit it on the no, air. Uh, the guys that step in right, uh, yeah, guys that step in right away, we've already talked about those guys, but Kachuk's another one that's very interesting. Dubois is interesting. Um, I don't really. I don't really. Sergachev, maybe. I mean, that's a lot to ask of a defenseman. That, but that's the problem. They're going to ask a lot for him to come in, make a major impact for a Calder race versus even just making the roster. Instantly replace PK Subban. Yeah, no pressure. Just step in there and be that guy. Um, what about just a, another guy to throw in? Just because of where he might be playing is Tyler Moffat with the Blackhawks. There's been some talk that he might end up on Jonathan Tay's line, which is a, a really good place to end up if you want to up points. Yeah, I, I did have a caveat at the very end of the story that somebody from Chicago will just step in and win the award anyway, whether that's whether that's Nick Schmaltz or somebody else. I mean, Chicago has yeah, prospects. Good chance this year, too. So um, nothing would surprise me with Chicago. We Certainly they need another Rookie of the Year candidate, and uh, I'm sure they'll have a couple this year. You're right. A lot of it is opportunity, though, and, and yep. spot you fall into because – it's funny when these leading up to these guys when they get drafted, you know, all all we can do and all the scouts can do is evaluate them based on their their raw talent and their skill and what they've shown at the OHL level or in college or whatever. Uh, but when you start to look at rookie of the year candidacy, it really is where they're landing and 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 just opportunity for ice time. Yeah, and I and that's why I pointed that one out in Chicago. It really sounds like. They want to play Marion Hosa on their third line with Marcus Kruger next season, balance things out. He's obviously a great defensive player, could play a shutdown role as well. So Jonathan Taves needs some wings. <laughs> they don't have a heck of a lot now. They've, they've given up so much. So one of those rookies could get a heck of an opportunity playing alongside one of the NHL's best players. Well, and they've shown they're not afraid to do that either. I mean, obviously, this year with Panarin. But even in, in years past, like they're not afraid to try a young player out next to Taves or Kane and see how it works and you know it's never worked as well as it did this year with Panarin obviously but it doesn't have to work that well for a guy to be a rookie of the year yeah. candidate yeah Brandon Saad didn't work out so badly either so no. it's had some guys step into those roles Jamie anything you want to add before I uh, wrap the show up how do you guys feel about pizza places texting you because <laughs> I just got a text <laughs> for a five dollar pie ninis Craig, can you when when are you coming back again? I, I can't work like this anymore. I, I thought this was some very soft segue into the Lipinski list, but no, I, I can't, I can't out where get Luke Lipinski to go and get into the Lipinski list. But that's because it keeps. I, I get, his excuse is that you're not here, so he can't do it. I get reminded of the Lipinski list about either ten seconds before we start recording or thirty minutes into the recording, like right now. I could name you my five favorite pizza places in Phoenix. I don't think that's going to help. Let's do that next week. Maybe they'll you text think me. That a list Named after a guy it might be enough of a reminder. You'd think. You know, to come up with material. There's, but a litter, there's alliteration there. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's, there's so much to work with, and you're just you're just you're not bringing it to the table every week. Yeah. No, I, you know I apologize <laughs> to you guys. Anybody else you texting should. you over there, Jamie? Before I sign off. No, not at the moment. Although uh, hockey Twitter has been screaming at each other about Shea Weber and analytics, so things are going really well. And also, just uh, for the listeners out there, if you've made it this far, that means you've listened to a higher percentage of what I've said on the show today than Jamie has. So congratulations! And not you might a be clear. No, it really isn't. Craig, do you have anything else before we wrap this up? I had a point no. on the rookies, but I can't remember it now. I, I don't want to. I want to escape criticism, so I, I think it's best for me to exit now. Okay, so now's the point of the show where we let Craig sign off and we pretend the show's over, and then me and Jamie criticize him for ten minutes. Correct? Sounds about right. <laughs> Got it. All right, for Craig Morgan traveling the uh, the globe, for Jamie Eisner, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to episode 42 of the Natural Hat Trick podcast.